Hey everyone, you're listening to The Recap by Drawing Capital, the best place to dissect the week's key events and investing in technology in 15 minutes or less. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute an offer, solicitation, or recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any security. Opinions, estimates, and projections in this podcast are subject to change. This podcast is based on current public information believed to be reliable, but no representation is made to accuracy or completeness. An investment in any strategy, including the strategies referenced in this podcast, involves a high degree of risk. Clients of Drawing Capital may maintain positions discussed in this podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Recap. Today is Friday, May 7th. As our year-to-date recap for a stock market, uh, the S&P 500 is up 12.69%, and the NASDAQ is up 5.63% for the year. Today, we'll be discussing the continued sell-off in growth stocks, as well as exciting developments in the protein folding space. And with that, let's touch on what's happened with growth stocks, both this week and the last couple of months. As you may have seen, there's been a rotation from growth-oriented stocks to value-oriented stocks and a massive deleveraging of equities across the board, many of those of which can be found in, in places like Kathy Wood's ARK Funds, as popular um, stocks in their portfolio. Sagar, could you walk us through what's happened this week in particular? Is it a continuation of what had originally started in March? Are things changing? Is this an, an iteration of this previous trend? Can you give everyone maybe a, a recap on, on what's happened here? Sure. I think uh, you, you set the stage well there, uh, Sean, in terms of uh, what's been happening and and what may may happen going forward here for at least uh, in the short term. So I think overall this seems like a major deleveraging and rotational event. And I'd like to point out kind of three topics of discussion. First, I've also anecdotally heard in news reports that some prime brokers are being more restrictive on their degree of lending to specific highly levered hedge funds. Uh, specifically really after the whole Archegos debacle. And having higher equity requirements is implicitly forcing some of these uh, highly levered funds to deleverage their levered portfolios. So I, I think that that is one component of the deleveraging story. The, the second is, uh, and I, I noticed that Kathy Wood was on CNBC earlier this afternoon, mentioned that despite the heavy recent selling in several stocks of cloud software, fintech, and other innovative companies, the broadening of the equity market is actually a net positive and speaks to an economic recovery. So in the short term, while prices will move up and down, uh, historically, since 1988, we've run the data that the S&P 500 has actually delivered positive returns about 80% of the time when holding for more than a year. So what, what does that say is that in the short term, prices uh, will move up and down, but in the long term, you know, the odds uh, of and the likelihood and probabilities, so to speak, are historically in your favor by being long uh, the S&P. And I guess finally, successful dynamic asset allocation between potentially high return assets. You know, uh, historically, that's been, you know, U.S. stocks, uh, private equity, venture, uh, private market investments, et cetera. Um, combining that with, you know, historically low downside risk assets, such as you know, U.S. treasuries in the short term, investment grade corporate bonds, CDs, money markets, et cetera. So this dynamic asset allocation between high return assets and low uh, downside risk assets helps to navigate the market cycle by providing a partial hedge against significant downside losses while si simultaneously providing the investor the opportunity to participate in rising markets. So I think those are kind of three important 
narratives uh, supported, obviously, by a lot of data. Um, and I'll, I'll pass it to Jugal. I know you've got uh, a lot of uh, thoughts and, and technical analysis on this topic as well. Yeah, so my perspective on stocks in general and the markets in general is mostly coming from a technical perspective. And I've been seeing this, you know, three, four, five, sometimes 600% increase since the, the lows of 2020 caused by the pandemic. And I've been wondering in my head, you know, at some point this has to correct because this sort of movement is just not normal for for uh, stocks in the NYSE or the NASDAQ or any of the other uh, UX exchanges. This this growth was absolutely phenomenal and there was a huge sense of euphoria across, I think, the entire market of like literally everything was going up. Uh, uh, things that were going up that people didn't expect at all because they thought, you know, COVID basically ruined uh, the, the future of some of these companies. For example, if you remember, uh, you know, Tesla crashed significantly uh, when COVID hit and people thought, oh, nobody's going to be driving cars after this, like everything's doomed. Uh, and then after that, you know, Tesla rises like uh, more than two to 300% uh, since those COVID lows. And it's just been performing phenomenally as as we've realized that the the real reason why some of these companies have been going up is, is because uh, the, the, the need for these technologies to come to fruition is now more demanding than ever before. But the, the issue with that is that people lose sight of how much demand these technologies actually need. And that's when these stocks actually start overextending. So, so much so that they now had uh, probably 50% to 100% increase over what they should be trading on uh, in terms of fair value. And what fair value means is up to the investors. But clearly, there's been this huge drawback or this downtrend or growth quake, as we called, uh, showing that the true value of some of these companies was way too, uh, it's it's lower than what was uh, being priced by the market. So for example, we look at Peloton, which is uh, at the highs around 130, 140. And then recently, it made a low at around $80. And so in two months, we saw a move from 140 to 80 which is ridiculous to think about. Like, how could a company like this lose uh, 30 to 40% of its value um, before, uh, you know, we've had a couple qu quarters of earnings calls to come out. Like, we don't know what really changed in this company. And really the answer to that is that the sentiment has changed and people realize that some of these companies were really actually overvalued. And this sort of, uh, this sort of cycle of euphoria, and and greed turning into uh, despair, if you will, will come again. Uh, you know, once we get out of this growth quake, I think uh, these companies will see another uh, large run up. I don't know if it'll be as fast as what we've seen from the COVID lows, but they will recover because these companies are growing. And uh, at some point, they'll grow a little bit out of hand, I think, and we'll see another uh, pseudo growth quake, if you will. Yeah, thanks. And I think one other important um, and interesting point to make, honestly, you know, we all talk about technology and technology stocks a lot. That's kind of our core focus. But, you know, other things that are super interesting and who thought, you know, a couple of years ago, we'd be talking about things like lumber. I mean, the M2 money supply and I think anticipated inflation is getting in priced into all these other commodities as well that have gone absolutely parabolic. So, I mean, lumber went from in January 
you know, a price of around $649 to like 1600 today, just a few months later. So it's not just stocks alone. It's not just crypto alone. You're seeing these exponential moves across the board. And like you said, Jugal, you know, while if you are an investor uh, and you get to participate in a good amount of that, fantastic. I think, you know, the rational thing to do also, if you find yourself in that situation, uh, is to start, you know, paring back some of those gains. And, you know, while we don't offer investment advice on the podcast, I think just something that everyone should be cognizant of in order to be uh, investing responsibly. And, and that's, you know, kind of the uh, excess use of leverage that had has made these swings in, in either direction just so dramatic. Um, but to kind of, you know, shift gears here away from the market, you know, let's, let's maybe jump into some of the, the protein folding stuff and um, a little bit of a, of a technical and complex subject. So to give people an overview of what's going on in, in lay terms, Sagar, maybe uh, you could help out there. Just, just set the backdrop for, for protein folding. Sure, happy to. I, this is uh, certainly one of our key innovative themes uh, that we look at within the broader biotech, gene editing, and genomic space uh, at Drawing Capital here. Um, and and so, kind of setting the stage. So, proteins are are really just biomolecules responsible for cell tissue and organ functionality, and they consist of subunits called amino acids, which are the essential building blocks of life as we know it. And so, when we consume proteins. Your body breaks them down into amino acids used to build new proteins. And so from a scientific perspective, amino acids uh, are, are chained together by peptide bonds to form polypeptides. And then polypeptides can either be part or all of an, uh, of an entire protein. So predicting protein structures can help us determine how certain mutations in amino acid sequences can cause various diseases. Um, unfortunately, these these things happen, um, and and so with mutations, and so the next step is is how do we either correct it or or how do we uh, prevent it? And so if we understand how diseases are caused, then solutions are easier to synthesize. And so successful predictions can also enable designing custom proteins, maybe one day that heal abnormalities uh, in the in the human body. And so interestingly, we we saw a lot of data sets um, uh, over the past year. One of the most fascinating things I found was DeepMind's AlphaFold 2, which really announced an incredible progress update late last year in understanding and digitizing the protein folding problem. And so understanding and predicting a protein's 3D functional structure quickly and then accurately will have a massive impact on our drug development processes. So we, uh, we believe and we share the opinion that improving the speed, cost, and accuracy of protein structure prediction will have a massive, massive positive chain re- reaction effect in both pharmaceutical, medicinal, uh, genomic industries, as well as just the advancement of human life. And so I'll, I'll just give like an example of kind of how all of this you know, scientific um, understanding and, and, and narrative helps shape, re- shape real life uh, outcomes. And so number one would be reducing R&D costs and shortening R&D time would be a massive value add. The, the second is increasing clinical success rates leads to um, uh, just lower cost and then higher value because a greater efficacy 
uh, an efficiency in, in uh, medicinal uh, drugs is, is obviously uh, beneficial. And then, of course, at the end of the day, it's like we want to enable people to live longer and healthier lives. And so if we can use computational biology combined with a better understanding of, of genes and, and diseases, this ultimately enables people to live longer, healthier, and happier lives. So that's really the the, the setup for all of this in terms of the, the background, the understanding, uh, the overall approach, um, and, and next steps of how do we really advance uh, society forward uh, from this perspective. And ha happy to uh, turn it uh, to Jugal now uh, for his thoughts uh, on, on protein and protein folding specifically as well. Yeah, protein folding is super, super interesting to me, primarily because there's this whole idea of protein folding. Let me, let me just explain what the problem is. The problem with protein folding is that it's very hard to predict what the structure of a protein is based on the amino acid sequence. So you could have an amino acid sequence of, you know, let's just say A, B, C, and D. Uh, and A, B, and C, and D, uh, that specific sequence uh, determines how a protein folds up. And the reason why learning how a protein folds up is important is because the form of a protein directly uh, uh, relates to what the protein actually does and how it behaves in its environment. So currently the problem is really difficult to, to, to understand how a protein is actually folded based on the amino acid sequence. Uh, and and with, with deep learning, uh, we can basically just input this sequence of characters uh, and then... Uh, uh, we can we can output a very uh, accurate model of what the protein looks like. And from that model, we can then make it a, a pretty good guess of how the protein will behave in a specific environment. So when it comes to things like figuring out how does a protein bind to a specific drug? Well, if you don't know how the protein is shaped, we do, then you don't really know how it binds to the to the to the target drug. And then you can't really move forward in your drug development process to find a protein that actually does what you need. And once we figure this out, which, which will be figured out once we uh, essentially have something like DeepMind's AlphaFold, uh, have really high predictability of, of protein structures, then we can start having a higher uh, accuracy in the d drug development process. Because as, as we mentioned before, around 96% of, of these drug developments are, are just failing. Uh, and the cost of some of these processes are super high and it's just ext extremely inefficient. So in general, if we can just make a little difference in, in these costs and the time that it takes to bring these drugs to market and help some of these rare diseases be cured, it would be a phenomenal step forward for humanity. Well, thanks everyone. That is all the time we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed the discussion both about the shakeout in growth stocks and equity markets, as well as uh, really exciting developments in the protein folding space. And we hope to uh, see you all here again next week. Take care.